What is going on? Welcome to the big dudes in the trenches. I am Doug. Over here is Tug, finally, for the first hey. time in a long time. Hey. Uh, we are Sans One Bug this week, as he's, uh, at least this episode, he's, uh, you know, working, or should be. I don't know if he is or not, but he should be. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he is. <laughs> I guess <laughs> we will find out if he's in the chat, whether he's working or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, before we dive into everything today, I did tell you I was going to do this. I want to shout out my high school. Uh, they pulled off the Rhode Island State uh, yeah, Rhode Island Division II State title this past weekend with an ugly 7-3 to win. But, hey, a win's a win, especially in a title game. You are correct. And we'll move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's cool. Your high school won the whole state. Yeah, I guess I should uh, say their name if, if I'm un- shouting them out. Unfortunately, though, uh, for the sake of your argument, there's only like eight high school students in the look, state of Rhode Island. Look, we have four high school football divisions, okay? It does not compute. You have four <laughs> homeschools in the state of Rhode Island, and that's it. <laughs> but either way, for Rhode Island, uh, the St. Rayfield Academy Saints are the Division Two Super Bowl winners. I'm going to keep saying it. I know what we have there. It's more than four high schools. There's too many people. It's a small state, but there's too many people, man. You have like four, 14 square miles. In a million room. In a million people. High schools. No, you no, no. See, for more high schools. No, you're right, because all we have is a high school and then like 40 apartment complexes. I should say tenement buildings, not even apartment complexes in, in the Your state. Your state is not large enough for that many football fields to exist. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I I now need to look up how many are in the state. I will do that later. In the meantime, uh, we are reviewing week 11 of the NFL action. We are reviewing week 12 of college football action. And if you weren't aware, there was a whole dang championship up in the Great White North that we've been talking about as well. Uh, we've mentioned it the past couple of shows just because it is, it's the Grey Cup. It's the oldest championship in all of football so kind of cool uh we will not be talking about the other kind of football that's going on in the desert uh at this time of the year because Qatar as a country doesn't deserve our attention and with that let's jump to the NFL NFL. all right let's do it all right uh Doug you want to pull up our slides because we have our first 1,000 yard rusher on the season no surprise, it is the king himself. Uh, Derrick Henry broke 1,000 yards against the Packers on Thursday while you guys were live, uh, and I was home with family uh, handling some personal stuff. But what a what an accomplishment, and this is with six weeks left of the season. Like, this is nuts. Yes, and not only did he break 1,000 yards on the season, but also thanks to Prime Video for the video, uh, proof for a touchdown as well. Which is oh, I, thought, I thought this was going to be a long run. I looked at it differently. I thought this would be like a long run for his touchdown. But no, I do remember him throwing it. That's just incredible. I enjoy that immensely. And uh, he is the fifth player in NFL history to have five consecutive seasons of 10-plus rushing touchdowns. That's... Which doesn't 
actually sound right. Ten touchdowns doesn't feel like a lot anymore when right. you compare it to a great running back like Derrick Henry. I guess that's what makes him so great. No, hundred percent. And we say it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you when you look at it, when you look at the early two thousands and you had some guys getting twenty touchdowns, right? That was standard back then. You had one or two guys go for twenty. Ten is an accomplishment in today's NFL. Right. Um and he's doing it five seasons in a row. Like the Titans know what they have. They're gonna ride King Henry for as long as they can. And he is a large large reason behind their success. Absolutely. Our next story here, man, this one hits home for me. Um, because when I was a coach, I always said, don't drop my baby sister. That's the comment you and I always say to each other when people have fumble problems. Well, the Denver Broncos have had enough of Melvin Gordon dropping Nathaniel Hackett's baby sister. Uh, they have cut him for fumbling problems. You cannot turf the football, especially NFL. Uh, he has been waived as of today. Look, this move makes a lot of sense from the Broncos' standpoint, but here's my question. Are there any running back needy teams that are going to give him a shot? I believe he will be picked up on waivers, by whom I have no idea. I think he would probably actually be a great benefit to the Buffalo Bills. They don't have a solid running back situation. The Arizona Cardinals would probably benefit from this. There are several teams I can think of, but... Yeah, fumbling is a big problem. I I hope you're watching this live, or at least on YouTube, because this slide that the Denver Broncos put out is hilarious to me because they cut Melvin Gordon. The transaction is presented by Chevron. This is so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Look, man, Chevron's getting enough of my money at the uh, at the gas tank. I don't need them getting more money from the Broncos. I can't believe Chevron sponsored cutting Melvin Gordon. That's just... <laughs> Jesus. And this is how you know sponsorships in the NFL are going crazy. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't even notice. Like, I was looking at that and it never clicked. Um, all right. Yeah. Uh, this one hurts again. Uh, these two were. Granted, Kyle Pitts can't find the end zone, and that's his biggest negative right now. Um, but he's probably out for the season with an MCL. I believe it's a tear is what I was seeing. Uh, yeah. And then Wandale Robinson was having a fantastic rookie year. Uh, he tore his ACL. He is done for the season. Look, Atlanta's not really going anywhere, but the Giants are in a position to make some moves here. Does this change the outlook for the Giants? They just trade away Kadarius Tony, and now you lose Wandale Robinson. Before the season started, I would have told you that I don't believe in any of the Giants' receivers. Receivers, so losing one of them probably wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> uh, now they've lost two. The Kadarius Tony trade didn't matter. He wasn't putting up numbers for the Giants. But he isn't. But he is in Kansas City. That's well, the Wandale Robinson is. Yeah, that's that's tough. I really don't believe the Giants are good enough to contend for a playoff spot. You have three other teams in that division who look like they are. And the Giants had a fourth-place schedule, so things have worked out for them so far. We'll see. 
we'll see. I don't know what else we can say about that. It's tough to lose a good rookie though, like this. No, the only is. only good thing I'll say is that it is so much better to tear your MCL or your ACL at 22 years old than it is at 32 years old. I expect these guys to be back and healthy and playing football again next season. Both of them probably both at still a high level. Look, as for Kyle Pitts, the dude's a monster. I just don't think Atlanta's using him right, and I don't think it's going to affect them as much because they they don't know how to use him. He's a – He's a freak athlete at tight end, and you will not throw it to him in the red zone. I do not understand. It's kind of interesting to think about. Arthur Smith came up through the Tennessee Titans system and really came on as a play caller and a coordinator after Delaney Walker. And after Delaney Walker, Tennessee hasn't had a tight end at all. So maybe he just doesn't think to integrate a tight end right now, (laughs) uh, which is kind of a problem when you have one of the most – Interesting tight end prospects on your but, team. But how does that not come up in pre-draft meetings with your GM of like, look, man, you can get me this dude, but he's going to block. Like, <laughs> like, I don't get it. Oh. I mean, I wasn't in that room. I can't tell you, but. <laughs> All right. I'll move us on to some good injury news. Uh, Doug, for you too, because you, you, still, you still love Chase Young here, but Chase Young is coming off the IR. He started his practices last week. There was speculation he would play. He was not activated at that time, but all signs are pointing to him being a go this weekend. Um, we, we, we've seen it just this season with um, with Pittsburgh, how important that, that edge rusher is to these defenses. Uh, Pittsburgh was averaging like 25 points against allowed when TJ was out. They're averaging like 16 when he's back in. That's that's massive in a large part of why Pittsburgh's starting to attempt to turn their season around. So this is going to be huge for the for the commanders who are on the bubble. Uh, they have, like you said, they're in a position to compete for a playoff spot. And I think they can put it together now if they can get healthy on that defense. I swear, if Ty- Taylor Heineke leads them back to the playoffs. They... <laughs> this would be the second quarterback the commanders have done this to because they did it with Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. They refused to pay him. They finally traded him. And if they do a Taylor Heineke, it's the same story all over again. But, I'm, yeah, I'm very glad to see Chase Young back. It's good for everybody, not just Commanders fans, but uh, legitimately the league is better when a guy like Chase Young's dominating in it because yep. he's just so much fun to watch. And the league gets more money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? Wait. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. (laughs) This story is hilarious to me. All right. So in full disclosure, I was flying back yesterday. Uh, my wife works for the new England Patriots. Um, this game was at Gillette. So she was heading to work and she was bringing me to the airport. I told her, look, I need one thing. I go, I need you guys to beat the jets today. (laughs) Um, that's so Miami could retain first place in the AFC East. Um, and that happened, but a lot of the reason that happened in a 10 to three win for the Patriots was because Zach Wilson could not hit a target to save his life. And the reporters asked him after the game, Hey, do you think your play let down the defense? Now keep in mind until about the last minute, this was a three to three game and the defense didn't give up the game winning touchdown. That was special teams. Um, my man said, no. 
It's legit all he said. <laughs> Meanwhile, head coach Robert Sala comes out and says that was basically a disgraceful performance. And then Garrett Wilson, on the other hand, says, look, everyone needs to play better. Uh, to put this in perspective, it took a penalty late in the fourth quarter for the Jets to cross their own 35-yard line in the second half. This team was going yeah. nowhere. Um, yeah. It's a bad look. It's a bad look for Zach Wilson. The uh, only thing I can also... say, at least he's consistent with his completion percentage. <laughs> Uh, he is second on the team in passing touchdowns behind Joe Flacco, who played like three weeks. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. This is a problem. This is a real problem. Um, yeah. I Like, he, he threw eight for 22. There's no way to justify that. That is absolutely horrendous on every level. Um, well, I'm, I'm sure your wife played a big part in that. Yeah. You, know, you yeah, asked yeah. her to help. Look, you know, look, the director look. of concessions really yep. makes an impact on the game. <laughs> 100%, man. Anyway. Uh, in more fun news, uh, we always make this joke. Um, but it's even more real now. Since Modern Warfare 2 came out, Kyler Murray has not played a game. Um, Thank you to NFL memes for this picture of Ghost from Modern Warfare 2 in the Cardinal's head. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, here's my question, because he's been, it is a, a lingering hamstring injuries, and those can be a reason to sit. Um, but do you think this points to more issues between Kyla Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, or is it an actual injury at this point? I mean, I would certainly hope it's a, as bad as that sounds, I would certainly hope it's an injury and not like a weird falling out. Um, I can't, I can't imagine you would willingly start Colt McCoy over <laughs> Kyler Murray. I mean, I he, know, I know he won last week, but can we really put that win on Colt McCoy? Like I, like I said, that's why you hide it behind an injury and you make it seem like you're not willingly doing it. I mean, if that's the case, wow. Uh, the owner calling out his coaching staff for not winning a playoff game last year looks real weird if the <laughs> owner's willingly in on tank in the season to get rid of Kyler Murray. I don't I, believe that to be the case. I, I don't either, but it, it, it's worth the question because this is pure coincidence. The injury happened as Modern Warfare 2 came out. This It has to be pure coincidence. It's not, but... it's not coincidence. Oh, oh, so so in your estimation, he's literally just telling coach, hey, my hamstring's bothering me so I can play God. No, it is a real injury. Everyone knows it's a real injury. He intentionally got injured. <laughs> just move us on. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> All right. Headed into the week. Uh, these were our NFL pick em records, Doug. Um, you're sitting there right around that 500 mark. It looks pretty good, man. Ben's chilling just Ben's chilling just above 500, and I'm sitting at 32 and 15. Look, here's the thing I want to highlight here is we are all above 500, so it looks like we know what we're talking about when it comes to NFL football. I 
think that will change when we look at these games that we picked. All right, let's go look at them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are starting off with Sunday night, which, yeah, we all picked the Chiefs. Really starting to feel like the uh, NFL's on the Chiefs' side this season. Dude, that was that was a great game. I didn't watch it. I, I was exhausted last night. I couldn't really watch it all in depth. Uh, fantastic game. Uh, two last minute touchdowns uh, that involved lead changes. Both of them. Yeah. Um, man, the the charges were right there. I don't know. So you're saying the NFL is on the Chiefs' side? What What'd you see? I mean, it's just too many weeks now of improbable comebacks and impossible plays and missed goals and just there's too much shit going on. I don't know. Uh, I don't oh, trust I, the league, bro. I have I have a missed call for you later at the Pats game. Um the Titans and Packers played on Thursday. That was that was a game. Derek Henry got a passing touchdown. Um yep. but we don't believe in Thursday night football so we don't pick those games. Nope. Uh but we do pick Monday night, which is happening literally right now. 49ers at the Cardinals, technically, but it's in Mexico City. Yep. Which is, I believe, the same matchup that the first game in Mexico City was. Uh, it was also 49ers, Cardinals. Cardinals did win that one. We're all picking the 49ers here. I mean, it's Colt McCoy starting. Yeah, I'm picking the, picking the 49ers. It was so dirty what they did. Colt McCoy on the broadcast showing. Jimmy G walking into the stadium, all dapper and swagged out. And then you got frumpy 35-year-old Colt McCoy walking in the stadium. <laughs> Show him right afterwards. Jesus. Dude, I am very heterosexual, but Jimmy G is a beautiful man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get to our games. Yeah, I took some risks here. Uh <laughs> Look, you say you took some risks, but something does not look right with the Eagles right now. Yeah. This is the third week in a row they've had a close game. They lost one last week, and look, everyone's saying that the flag should not have been thrown at the end of that game. No, it absolutely should have been thrown. That was a proper flag. Uh, it was a weird knee, but it was still a knee, and the play was dead. Um, I don't know. Something is just misfiring on the Eagles right now. Yeah, Coach Sirianni screaming into the crowd after they beat the Colts by one point. It's kind of weird. I don't know. The whole vibe's off. But at the same time, what are they, 9-1? and one? So yep. it's hard to argue too much. I will say, as great as Linval Joseph played coming off the street, uh, Ryan Kelly played like ass, which is very surprising to me because Ryan Kelly's been one of the better centers in the league since he was drafted out of Alabama. And, I mean, I remember the whole story of him getting drafted. He was, like, one of the first Alabama football players to – he played in a national championship. He had already graduated with his master's degree. Dude, That's awesome. <laughs> pretty wild. He's a great football player, very smart football player, but he was getting manhandled all night. And uh, – by two defensive tackles coming off the street and Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue. Kind of wild. Right. Oof. All right, Doug, talk to me about the, the Pats Jets games. I have one comment on this, but uh, yeah. I mean, the game was dog shit 
awful. Uh, brutally bad on both sides. Until... Until that, until that punt return. <laughs> you brought up punt return, and that reminded me of something we forgot to leave out of the news, or we left out of the news. Can I bring it up real quick? Okay. Corderell Patterson sets the NFL record for most return touchdowns this weekend against the Bears, passing Devin Hester. Uh, was a 103-yard kickoff return. Um, yeah. So that that happened. I, I didn't want to let that, that slip. I just remembered that. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, the, the Patriots win ten to three in a game that nobody deserved to win. I, I'm glad you brought up that punt return because you kind of have to. Um, I'm sure by now everyone has seen the play. If not, go look it up. There is no question in my mind that's a block in the back. I don't care what the NFL says. I thought so too. If it if you don't call it a block in the back, that's fine. I gotta check, but the NFL has illegal blindside blocks as well. Um, there's two of those that are covered and it is one of those two. Every time you look at that play. I agree. (laughs) Uh, the Cowboys went into, um, went into Minnesota and said, this is our house. And Minnesota was like, yeah, Hey, here are the keys. Um, Doug, you're asking me what we're asking is what we saw with the Vikings. Why we all want the Cowboys. The Cowboys look like a more complete team to me. Uh, and that's weird to say. Um, but even with Dak back, that defense is nuts. Micah Parsons was all over that field. Um, look, the Vikings, they seem to have squeaked out wins is, is the issue. They're not they're not winning them as decisively as that. I expect an 8-2 and two or 7-3 and three team, whatever they are now, to be winning them. And that, that was the issue I had there. They couldn't get around that defense. Cowboys won the trenches on both sides. Uh and the Vikings were nowhere to be found. Yeah, my issue was that the Vikings had been eking out those close wins against good teams as of late. <laughs> so I thought they were potentially a good team. And then the Cowboys looked like the best fucking team in NFL history. Out of fucking nowhere, 40 <laughs> points on the road, most points on the road in Cowboys history. They've been a franchise for a very long time. This is some <laughs> bullshit. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tony God. Pollard just out of nowhere gets like 800 million fantasy points, putting up 27 touchdowns on the game. <laughs> like, bro. Bro, Zeke what? has to. Speaking of that, Zeke has to be traded in the offseason. You need to put your chips behind Tony Pollard now. I guess. Jeez, he's going to help you do this nonsense. Right? Right? This, this tomfoolery. All right, Doug. Golly. So after the week, how are we doing so far? I'm still above 500. That's all I can say. Hey, and and here's the thing: is you're immune to going below 500, even if we lose tonight. You are at 500. That is true, uh, and I doubt we lose tonight because Colt McCoy's playing. <laughs> uh, yeah, my my stocks are going up. Uh, Ben's are going stocks. up as well. Your stonks, <laughs> stonks are up for Tug. Either way, mine are up. Everyone's are up. Yours are holding even. Uh, that would mean that not everyone's are up. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make it sound better than it is. I appreciate it. You know whose stocks are not up? Our fantasy outlook. Uh, yeah, we are 500 on the year in fantasy, even after this week. Because <laughs> uh, you sat George Pickens. Look, so I, full disclosure here. 
when I give these, I actually look at my main fantasy team and I try and give everyone advice based off of what I am actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I sat George Pickens this week. I'm also going to lose. I'm also going to lose by 40 points. So it's not like he would have helped me that much. Um, it helped you some, but some, yeah. Um, and then I did start Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, and I do not regret it. We play a half point PPR, so our scores are like somewhere in the middle of these two. Um, either way, George Pickens is starting to break out ever so slightly. Kenny Pickett is developing that relationship with him, which is huge. Uh, Look for me to be starting him in the near future. And then Amon Ross St. Brown is the true number one in Detroit. He is going to benefit greatly when Jamison Williams comes back, even if that's not this year. If you're playing a standard league, Amon Ross St. Brown is probably a little bit rough, but I still gave you the win on the start. Be a little bit generous. I would argue there are way more PPR leagues than uh, than standard leagues. I agree. But Bug also picked some running backs for us to sit and start. Uh, we sat Brian Robinson for the second week in a row, which is kind of funny. Uh, it was also probably the right move. Antonio Gibson was the leading rusher for this team. And, and Brian Robinson only got you 5.7 points on 57 yards. Yeah, that, that kind of hurts. If you're playing in a league that is per touch, it still doesn't help you that much. Right. Uh, Daryl Henderson, uh, it looks to me from my stance uh, that Cam Akers and Sean McVay have figured out their issues. Which uh, is surprising. They have and gone I'm... to some couples counseling, um, and it looks like Cam Akers is going to start coming on here late in the season. So if you're holding on to him, uh, you might be able to use him in the playoffs. Yeah, I definitely thought this was actually a great start because Daryl Henderson looked like the legitimate number one running back now. And Cam Akers, I didn't think that relationship was repairable. It looked like they were basically going to cut him. And then they just didn't. And now he's back, and he's the leading rusher for the Rams. Yep. Wild. I don't think any of us could have predicted that. And I really don't blame Ben for the bad start here. No, no. It, it This is football. It happens. But... That is it for the NFL. Let's go ahead and jump to college football, where we do have some new rankings out for everybody. Holy. Uh, Doug, I call this legitimacy. I mean, we have a surprise at number five for sure. Yeah, but but your top four matches the AP top four. Like, I'm not even mad. They have for a couple of weeks now. You've just been gone. (laughs) Yeah, but now that it's consistently there, this is... Yeah. Uh, also, do have USC, Clemson, and Alabama and Tennessee in the correct order, at least. Uh, they, the AP has LSU a lot higher than I do. That second loss matters to me. I know it was by one point to Florida State in week one, but it still matters to me. There is definitely a clear tier break between the top three and TCU, and then the top four and Penn State, which I think is reasonable even in the AP poll. You can kind of see that tear break. I am fascinated by everyone's resistance to ranking Penn State higher than number 11. Nobody wants to put them in the top 10. They've only lost to Ohio State and the team up north. They beat everybody else by a lot. 
there's kind of nothing else you can do. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're in a division with two of the three best teams in college football. So they just they lost both of those games, and one of them was very close. Also, most likely scenarios for the playoff at this point, I would say that fourth playoff spot is a toss-up between, assuming USC and Clemson win out, they will probably be battling for that fourth spot. I would say if they do win out and win their conference championship, they will be in over a one-loss loser of this week's game between Ohio State and the team up north. So, so I'm going to I'm gonna throw this to you, too. I'm going to add another team in from the Pac-12 uh, that is worth a look. Now, I know it was a 40-point loss, but you got a one-loss Oregon that's full steam ahead for the Pac-12 North, uh, for the Pac-12 championship. No, you do, do not. You... No, you do not. Oregon lost again. You've been out two weeks, bro. You missed a lot. I thought they didn't. Oregon lost another game. They didn't lose this week, but they lost last week. I was seeing uh, some some shit somewhere else, and it threw me off. mm, Now I'm mm, sad. Oregon's Gonzo Alonzo, baby. (laughs) Uh, But, you know. So so let me ask you this question. You have a one-loss, one-loss Clemson, Mm one-loss USC. Mm Mm-hmm. TCU remains undefeated, so they go in at the number three seed. You get Ohio mm-hmm. State, Michigan at the two. Mm-hmm. Who does the committee like more? Probably right now, USC. Because of the better non-conference schedule than what Clemson has. I was going to ask it this way. Which is more valuable? Probably at this point, USC. Yeah. That's that's where I'm leaning. I think that the name is there, and if they have a chance to get bring that brand into the college football playoff. I don't see how they avoid it. Also creating a new year's six matchup of Clemson and Alabama. That's not a playoff game would be something the playoff committee would probably look to very much establish. Kit, kit, I, I know it's not, I, I know it's not a playoff game this year, but can I petition the college football playoff for one thing? Probably not. They probably won't listen to you, but you can yeah. try that's fine, but hear me out here. Ohio State and USC in the Rose Bowl. Give me a classic Rose Bowl matchup. Like, in the college football playoff. But so give me that I, matchup. I would say that we probably have, depending on what happens the next two weeks, USC is probably going to be in the playoff. The winner of the game this weekend's in the playoff. You will have the loser of the game and the runner-up in the Pac-12 in the Rose Bowl. It will still be a Big Ten Pac-12 match. I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm petitioning them to basically work a deal with whatever the playoff games are this year, because I know it rotates, to, hey, we'll give you another one. Just let me have the Rose Bowl back real quick. Yes, that's not going to happen. I know. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, bad news for that number nine team, Tennessee, as, uh, yeah, Hendon Hooker, unfortunately, his season is over. This is my favorite picture of him, just high-stepping, high knees, uh, levitating in the air there on his way to the end zone. You almost can't see his back leg at all. I know, it's kind of incredible. Um, he is out for the rest of the year. 
unfortunately. And it looks like uh, looks like we won't see him again in any capacity in college football, even probably not going to see him in the Reese's Senior Bowl, which is why they created this send-off to him as well. Really sucks to see. Uh, he was phenomenal this season. I know none of us are Tennessee fans, but holy shit, he made Tennessee kind of fun. So that's that's awesome. So now I'm going to ask my question this way. I know we're going to get to it later. In your estimation right now, with the injury lingering, is he draftable? And where would you be looking for him? I mean, I tend to be very harsh on quarterback prospects. No, you tend to be realistic versus where teams value them. I don't agree with that. I wouldn't have drafted Kenny Pickett at all. Um, and I probably wouldn't draft this guy either just because he's only had one season of success and he got hurt doing it. But No, and that, that's uh, entirely valid. That's kind of what I'm asking. Like, is he I, I, don't, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I, I suspect he'll be a top three round draft pick somewhere. It's fair. Just sheer potential and athletic ability. Uh, but we will... We'll have to see. All right. What else we got he going on? is on the semifinalist list for the Davey O'Brien Award, which is the award given out annually to the best quarterback in all of college football. There are, I believe, 22, uh, 21 semifinalists for this award. Not too many surprises to me. I would say not because I'm an Ohio State fan, but J.J. McCarthy on this list Probably would have preferred like an ECU's Holt Nailers or Houston's Clayton Toon instead. But, you know, he's leading the team up north to an 11-0 record so far. And as the clearly the best quarterback on that roster. So <laughs> give him some credit, I guess. Um, no, none other. There was nobody else really surprises that. me, but. I, I like the uh, Curtis work out of Ohio getting getting the nod here. That's huge. Yeah. The maple missile. Oh my god, that needs to be a thing. Like it is a thing. That is that. his nickname. Has has he trademarked it yet? Because that needs I, to be trademarked. I don't know. It's it's like the red rocket, but slightly different. Crazily, his brother already plays in the CFL and has done pretty well this season as as well. So he nice. also played for Ohio, and unfortunately, <laughs> they were not as pass happy when the other Rourke brother was there. But <laughs> Curtis is getting some love here. All right. Uh, any any surprises on this list for you? No, Maybe honestly, some... the, these are names that I have seen throughout the year all over the place at the top of the game. Uh, the one that I might not have seen as much would have been the Austin Reeds, the, again, the Curtis Rourke. Um, I like those guys getting the nod here, but everyone else seems like guys that I've seen. I've been tracking how they play at least to some level. And no, you're entirely right. This is this is the list where it needs to be. A couple other award finalist lists have been released. Semi-finalists, anyway. Uh, the Ray Guy Award, the best punter in all of college football. I very much appreciate the additions of Bryce Berenger, Jesse Murko, and Michael Turk. Probably Michael Turk will win this based on the semifinalist list. A glaring 
omission is Iowa's punter, who's the best player on the entire team, uh, with 16 punts inside the 10-yard line this season. How is he not on this list? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, Look, we like, need to... We need to get registered with the the Writers Association so we could start voting on these things. In order to correct this one wrong, yes, absolutely. I, there are many I'm other not, wrongs. I'm not even kidding. That's this is one wrong that needs to be corrected, and I will <laughs> join the Writers Association out of spite to fix this one thing. Hold on, I was going to say there's many other wrongs that we'd look to correct, but this is one. Like... This is this is the first thing we will do when we get in there is nominate. Next year, even though he's not there. Nope, yeah, that's it. He's right. He's gonna get he's gonna get drafted and we'll nominate him for a lifetime award, lifetime achievement award. <laughs> uh Blitnikoff Award semifinalists have been named as well. Uh probably not the best season for Jordan Addison. Missing a couple of games there definitely hurt his numbers on a per game basis when he's actually played and he is playing very well. He's also the reigning Blitnikoff Award winner. I'm sure that's part of why he was included here. Uh, this goes up to the best receiver in college football, not just the best wide receiver. So we do have Brock Bowers, tight end from Georgia, on this list as well. I believe he is the only non-wide receiver on this list, though. Technically, anyone who has caught a pass in the current college football season is eligible for the award. So they, they try to keep track of everybody. I get to tell you, it's going to sound like I'm – an Ohio State fan, but we all know I'm just like a casual Ohio State fan. Um, I don't know how anyone on this list realistically. Jalen Hyatt, I could see, realistically competes with Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay. Not for not based off of numbers alone, uh, based off of the catches that he makes. Right. Yeah. And, and, well, and the numbers are comparable to Jalen Hyatt as well. It, yeah, it's which just is crazy. Un- unreal catches like the one with his foot behind his back that I have seen recently circulating around. Uh, now I know, I know Brian Hartline was not happy because that was not two feet inbounds. Uh, but my man, know, I'll say that's exactly why you teach two feet. Hundred so percent. Only happen to get one in. It's still all still right. good. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I like to see one of the guys, one of the prospects that I've previewed on the show, making yep. the semifinal list. And Rasheed Rice, Rice out of SMU. Yep. Uh, also, Quentin Johnson, TCU, has been fantastic this season. Charlie Jones has been a revelation at Purdue. Only being used as a punt returner at his previous school, transfers to Purdue for his final season of eligibility, and turns it on. He's a legitimately good wide receiver should get drafted. Now, uh, I will say Zay Flowers, this might be a bit of, more of a lifetime achievement kind yeah. of a – nomination this season has definitely been down compared to the expectations of previous years um but you know he is he's been a very good receiver uh one more name before we move on here i love josh downs out of unc as well uh what he and drake may have been able to do together is nothing short of phenomenal considering how bad that defense is. The fact that they've won nine games this season is insane. So I like here that you're looking at the uh, Bolitnikov award semifinalists, and we were just looking at the Davy O'Brien. And let's do something here. Jordan Addison. Hey, Caleb Williams was on the list. 
Uh, Brock Bowers. Hey, Stetson Bennett was on the list. Yeah. Josh Downs, Drake May. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. had CJ on the list. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hyatt, you had Hendon. Like, this just goes to show it. Like, even down in the Rasheed Rice, you had yep. Tanner Mordecai on there. That's This is fantastic. Yep. Some of the best combinations on offense in all of college football. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump to the breaking news, kind of right before we started the show. I don't know if this is legit yet, but CBS Sports is gone ahead and reported uh, Lane Kiffin is looking to step down from Ole Miss and become the next head coach at Auburn. That is wild. That is the ultimate Nick Saban's coaches school of rehabilitation move right there now john sokoloff is more of a mississippi state guy so it is possible that he has sources here but it's also possible that he is mistaken i I don't know yet and i'm kind of waiting to see what this contract's going to be but we won't know that for sure until he actually does step down because that's against the rules i was going to say this is this would be a massive leak. Like we have the coaching carousel after next week quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not next week, the week. No, it is after the, after this weekend, after the regular right. season is effectively over uh, is when you see it happening. They usually don't leak things like this, even though these are agreed to in, right. in terms. Um, this would be a massive leak, the level of which I haven't seen in a while. Right, even the Urban Meyer to Ohio State, he wasn't even coaching anywhere, and that technically wasn't leaked. I mean, yeah. it's just like people were assuming, and then when he recused himself of calling the Ohio State first team up fourth, everyone put two and two together. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, there hasn't been a leak like this. Wild, wild, if this is true. Uh, I will say the other rumor for a big head coaching spot right now is that Kansas State head coach Chris Kleiman is probably the number one target for Nebraska now. I I don't know if that's true either. That's the current rumor, and this is kind of feels like the same kind of a deal. So uh, CBS Sports is calling this one for Auburn. I, I I would think off the cuff this is a, a grand slam hire. Um, but we'll see. I would think so as well. I guess while we're talking about head coaching rumors, have you seen Deion Sanders to Colorado heating up? Wait a minute. I've seen Deion Sanders to Nebraska heating up. Nah. Nope. I, I don't know what to believe anymore. Uh, however, it is <laughs> worth noting that Jackson State has now finished its first ever undefeated season. They're 11-0. You are correct. Uh, speaking of games let's go ahead and talk about some (laughs) man it's almost like you're in my head uh so we did go ahead and pick a whole bunch more games this weekend this is where we stood before the week started only bug fun below 500 there uh like he and i said on the show last time though he is 100 percent gonna pass both of us come bowl season it's going to happen bug is inevitable it's going to happen (laughs) Uh, well, let's start off with the FBS ranked matchups, of which we had two this past weekend. UCLA hosting 
in town, cross town rivals USC in the greatest uniform matchup college football has because they both wear their home jerseys. They're both of our right. ranked matchups were Pac 12. That's awesome. I know. It's uh, almost like I've been saying you should watch Pac 12. No, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to watch Pac 12 after dark. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. All right. Disrespect. Uh, but this, yeah, this, uh, here, here's a here's a great way to think about this first game, USC at UCLA, 48-45 uh, for USC. I legitimately do not understand the culture fit in the Big Ten following this performance because, holy shit, they do not know how to punt the ball. And if there's anything the Big Ten West is good at, it is punting that damn ball. Well, they have to do it so often there. I think Kirk Ferentz is going to blow his lid at the first seven touchdowns of the game from USC, and it's just going to – he won't know what to do. He's, he's going to sit there and go, don't they know they're supposed to punt? <laughs> the most effective offensive strategy is to punt the ball. Not in L.A., apparently. Uh, 48-45. There legitimately were more interceptions thrown than punts. Uh, unfortunately, as I say that, Dorian Thompson-Robinson broke his hand in multiple places in multiple times during this game and just kept playing through that. He had his thumb taped. He had his index finger taped on his throwing hand. I don't know how he was able to throw the ball accurately at all. He kept coming back. I have the utmost respect for DTR one of the greatest players in at least recent UCLA history. I can't think of another great one at his level since the 1960s. Just being real. Whoever, uh, whoever the Pac-12 schedulers wow. are that put this game last week and not this upcoming week needs to be fired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, USC's playing Notre Dame this coming week. So that's, it's I a, don't care. That's like, that's a rivalry, but that's, that's not rivalry week rivalry. It kind of is, though. Not when you have UCLA right there and you have to it play that. It kind of is, though. You just don't know the history of USC football. I just... Give me I this kind of... kind of is what it is. Uh, next up, we did have number 10, Utah, at number 12, Oregon. This was a very tight one. Complete opposite of really both games these teams played last year where Utah dominated the trenches on both sides of the ball. Oregon manhandled Utah, at least in the first half. That third quarter, Utah came out swinging. Was not enough. Oregon holds on 20-17. to 17. And it's really looking like Oregon is probably going to be that second-best team in the Pac-12. They've gotten rid of divisions. It will be USC in the championship game. And we're waiting on who that second team is going to be. It can either be, I believe, Oregon, Washington. It could still be UCLA in some scenarios. There are there are options. Uh, but very important win for the Ducks here if they want to make a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, no, they absolutely needed to win this game. I'm glad they did. They held them off. There's a couple of scares in there, but they but they did the thing. We had a lot more ranked matchups in the FCS this week. Hey, it looks like a pretty good slide for you. I know. I, I did go undefeated 4-0 in the FCS. 
because uh, you both picked Richmond, and I took William and Mary on the road. The Tribe did not let me down, 37-26. Now, Richmond, their offense came to play, just couldn't finish a couple of key drives. No turnovers on the game for either team, but somehow William and Mary was able to hold that very great passing attack to only 26 points. William and Mary had a very balanced attack, actually. Uh, ran the ball, controlled a little bit of the clock, and got the big win and the CAA title. I mean, you say they controlled the clock, but didn't Richmond win the time of possession battle? Yeah, technically. William and Mary controlled the clock in the key moments, though. Put it ah. that way. The end okay. of the game, William and Mary. Good, good for this. good four minute drives. Yes, absolutely. I like that. Uh, I should with, say four minute offenses, not drives. With the CAA title, William and Mary did get the auto bid to the FCS playoffs, uh, but we don't know if Richmond's in just yet. We we will look at the playoff bracket in just a second. Uh, next but, up, we did hold have. Hold on, we know. Right, right. I mean. <laughs> Thanks for ruining all the suspense. Uh, Mercer at Samford in what would have been the de facto Southern Championship game, unfortunately for Mercer, when Furman beat them last week. Uh, all they could do is knock Samford out of first place here. But Samford takes care of business in double overtime, 50 to 44. Wow. <laughs> What a fun game. Uh, the Bulldogs do hang on and win the Southern Conference. I am. In that automatic bit. I am impressed that in three games in a row, we avoided memeing ourselves. We'll fix that here in a minute, but. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good way to start. Uh, kind of insane. Mercer's quarterback threw for 514 yards, and they lost. It's probably because Samford's quarterback threw double the touchdowns. So, <laughs> turns out the points matter, not just yards. Crazy how that works. Right. It's almost like, you know, this is a game where you tally up points and stuff, and, like, you get points off of touchdowns. and Weird. Weird rules. Weird how that goes. Uh, next up, we did have the Brawl of the Wild. This one was college game day uh, was on tap for this one. Very awesome environment out at Montana State, uh, hosting their in-state rivals, Montana. Yeah, Montana State kind of demolished Montana in this one. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. Really wasn't close at all. Nope. Uh, 55-21 is your final as the Bobcats ran all over the Grizzlies with little to no resistance, it felt like. <laughs> That's not how you want to approach a, a, a rivalry game, especially when you have Selection Sunday the next day. Yeah. Uh, very, very sketchy last performance there for the Grizz. I will say with this win, they do clinch a share of the Big Sky Conference title with Sacramento State. They both went undefeated in conference, and I believe Montana State's only loss was to an FBS opponent. So they shared the title. They didn't play each other in the regular season. And they both go into the playoffs with a seed and a first-round bye. So good for both of them. 
Next up, we do have another in-state rivalry, North Dakota at North Dakota State. And the Bison, of course, ran away with this one as well. 42-21 for North Dakota State. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Bison looked pretty good at football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they have been pretty good at football for a long time. That's why I keep arguing yeah. that, that the Mountain West needs to bring them in. But, hey, I can keep hoping. I would really enjoy the Mountain West bringing in North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State. Yep. That would be beautiful for a whole host of reasons. That can be your northern division. Anyway, uh, we do have, after this weekend, we had Selection Sunday, which means we have an entire bracket for the 24-team FCS playoffs. Did you hear that, FBS? This is a real college football playoff. <laughs> and it's in Division One. Division One knows how to do this. I was going to say, and it's, it's for the actual NCAA title. So let's start off with the first side of this bracket. Of course, the number one overall seed does go to South Dakota State. The Jackrabbits get the benefit of the doubt, even though Sacramento State actually probably has the better resume, if we're being real. Uh, Holy Cross, William and Mary, and Montana State also get first-round buys here. Holy Cross going undefeated, but only getting that eighth seed. Not getting a whole lot of love out of that conference. Uh, but I think they're a very good football team, pretty formidable. The first round here, we do have St. Francis winning their auto bid, uh, and they will be going up against Delaware, one of five CAA conference teams to make this playoff, alongside, of course, we already talked about William & Mary. But Delaware in a 7-4, and not only that, but they're hosting an auto bid St. Francis. No, that, that makes sense. Delaware has had one that the CAA is a much better conference, and Delaware has a an FBS win under its belt, too. Um, this, this makes sense to me. Fordham is headed to another CAA team in the first round, New Hampshire. New Hampshire finishing 8-3. and three. Very surprising. Look, I'm just had New ha- glad New Hampshire made it. Um, I feel like I'm just recognizing a lot of these teams from home in the in the CAA in the playoff. Next first round matchup, we have Gardner Webb finishing six and five, but winning their conference, uh, and they will be heading to Eastern Kentucky. Now the ASUN, Jacksonville State went undefeated in the ASUN, but they already have more than the FCS limit on scholarships because they're in the transition period going to the FBS. So they were disqualified from the playoffs, meaning that the auto bid fell to number two in the A-Sun, which was actually a tie between Eastern Kentucky and Austin P. So there was a coin toss. Eastern Kentucky won. Are and you be kidding hosting. me? Are you kidding me? We... <laughs> Off a coin toss? There were multiple coin tosses deciding the seedings in this bracket. What? What, what is this? It's a... Uh... Is this Friday night? Fun. That's what is, it is this Friday night lights in Permian, Texas? What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> but the Colonels will be hosting Gardner Webb in the first round. Uh, next up, we do have North Dakota sneaking in after getting blown out by their in-state rival and going up against Weber State, probably the best team in all the state of Utah, other than Utah themselves. This is going to be a good matchup. It's going to be a test for both of these teams. 
Uh, honestly, this might be the most intriguing matchup in the first round. On this the side of the bracket. Other side of the bracket. We do have the four remaining seeded teams. Number three, North Dakota State. Number six, Samford. Number seven, Incarnate Word. And number two, overall seed, Sacramento State. Now, the first round teams don't get seeded. The first round teams are just kind of regionalized and they play teams that are roughly close to each other so that it minimizes travel a little bit. And then it gets to uh, those top eight seeds get a first round bye. So in the first round, in this side of the bracket, we do have Southeast Missouri State, SEMO winning their conference, uh, going up against the Montana Grizzlies, which kind of unreal. Yeah, but but this game is to go face the bite uh the bison. That's that's gonna be a rough draw for either of these guys. I like Simo State in this matchup, uh, but I think this is gonna be a real good matchup. I will come back to that one because we have some other things to say about it. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about the other first round matchups first. Idaho makes it back to the FCS playoffs for the first time in 16 years. Of course, there was a gap there where they tried to go to the FBS for a minute. Went back down, and they're already finding some more success in the FCS. No, 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 we don't like this up here. Let's go back. <laughs> they will be heading down to southeastern Louisiana. So much for that regionality. Uh <laughs> <laughs> hey, they do this for regionality. Mm-hmm. So Idaho's going to southeastern Louisiana. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's what I said. But, you know, it's, it's the NCAA for you. Uh, next up, we do have Elon against Furman. The Phoenix versus the Paladins. That's probably the most unique matchups of team nicknames that we've had in Division One college football in a very long time. It's fantastic. <laughs> and then we have Davidson up against Richmond. Now, Davidson, once again, this was uh, not the winner of their conference because the St. Thomas Tommies are ineligible for the playoffs as they are transitioning from Division Three all the way up to Division One. Davidson finishing second in that conference gets the other I bit. hate the NCAA's rules. So other Let than those auto it. bids, other than those auto bids, there were uh, so many teams out of the big sky and CAA made this playoff five from each of those conferences. The one that really surprised everybody though, would be that Montana Grizzlies team. All right. With the home game. Not only did they get into the playoff, they are hosting a playoff game. They went seven and four without a single win against any team with a winning record. That's not good. <laughs> I, t- I told you I like SEMO State in this one, right? Yes, you did. All right. So there's some real shady shit going on. Apparently, the reason Montana got in, at least partly, even according to the selection committee themselves, is because the bid package they put together was good enough to get them a hosting spot. What do you mean there's a fucking bid package? So every team that's on the bubble for the FCS playoffs, and the way this has worked for the entire time the FCS playoffs has been in existence... Every team who's kind of on the bubble will submit a bid package to be able to host a playoff game and say, here's what we can guarantee as far as revenue from this and this angle and all that. Uh, Here's our 
hotel facilities. Here's our access to the stadium. Here's uh, our sellout record, all this kind of stuff. How is anything about that in Montana a good one? So what you just said, no, I'm sorry, because I have a real issue with this. And I know you do, too, because let's, yeah. let's make this real. Let's, let's call this for what it is. Montana just bought their playoff spot. That's what a lot of people are saying, and look, look, I don't disagree. We were just giving the the FCS and, and NCAA props for knowing how to do a playoff. I now no longer think they do. This you, yeah. this isn't – I could go on a rant about this now that I understand it. This is <laughs> trash. Yeah, uh, I recommend looking into it a little bit more. It's uh, certainly – No, it'll just make me angry. Interesting – Interesting details down there. We will be picking all of these games as they happen, though. Of course, the first round does start this very Saturday. So next episode of this podcast, we'll be picking the entire first round of this FCS playoffs. Definitely stay tuned for that. But we picked some more games. (laughs) Right back into the action. This was a bad slide for me. Like I said, hey, we're going to fix the memeing. I called that out Saturday morning. Uh, I saw that we had all picked this and went, oh, and we were we were hurting. Uh, I was the, so close to picking Oklahoma. You should have, man. And I just convinced myself that Oklahoma State was the better team. It's fucking bedlam. It was in Norman. What the fuck were we doing? <laughs> so here's the craziest part, though. Oklahoma was not the better team. Just they came out to a 28 to nothing lead in the first quarter, in part because of Spencer Sanders' four interceptions, and then they didn't score a single point the rest of the entire fucking game. Wild. Wild nonsense out in Bedlam. You, you know what also this, this comes to be about? You said it earlier, finishing drives. How mm-hmm. are you going to score 484 points and only put up 13 points? That's nuts. 484 yards. Yeah, that one. <laughs> How are you going to score 484 points? And only 13 of them count. (laughs) That's actually surprisingly a stat that would make sense for Bedlam (laughs) somehow. (laughs) No, no, they got to take those points off because that. But yeah, Oklahoma becomes bowl eligible against their biggest rival. Uh, Unfortunately, that rivalry is about to go away because... Oklahoma says the SEC, and they hate good things. So, (laughs) next up, we do have another huge rivalry. This was the last week of the regular season for the FCS, and as such, it is the last week of action for any team in the Ivy League. They do not participate in postseason activities. Trash. So, their focus isn't football. Their focus is academics. I totally get it. There's like a his, they have, I think, 36 different Rhodes Scholars have played in the Yale-Harvard yeah. game. Something crazy like that. I I also affectionately wow. like to call this one the minigame because it is also called the game. But let's be real, the game. Yeah, well, it's, it's this it's is the, the game. And then Ohio State versus Team of North is the game to me. This is, this is the game. Uh, Yale, though did go into Harvard's house and pull one out yet again. Uh, Kind of a wild game, though, actually, because 
Yale was kind of held to a couple field goals there. It looked like Harvard was going to pull this one out. Yale gets a touchdown, misses the two-point conversion, gives Harvard a chance to go down on a game-winning drive and win the game, and they throw an interception. Yale gets the win and the outright Ivy League championship. Pretty amazing season for the Bulldogs. Look, yeah, no, that's that's outstanding. It really does upset me that they can't play further. I get your I get your argument and their argument, but man, give these kids something to compete for. Don't just play at the to... same time. At the same time, they did win a championship in this game right here, at, and at they least, beat their biggest rival. At least give me like an Ivy League championship game at the end. So, this is one of the great things about college football rivalries, though. At, this is a little bit unrelated, but related enough to the overall point. I'm going to bring it up. Derek Hall, defensive end for Auburn, just said in a press conference, you know what, this weekend, obviously this weekend is going to be the Iron Bowl against Alabama. He said, this weekend, either we win, we, come, we become bowl eligible against our biggest rival, or we lose and we fought for Auburn. And we gave all we had to Auburn. Yep. That is a hell of a sentiment. Yep. And that's the kind of shit you get out of the Ivy League in the game. Yale at Harvard. Yale does win. And uh, Bug and I got that one right. That's nice to see. That's awesome. All right. I wasn't here Thursday. Did Ben actually think Wyoming was going to win? Or was he just picking because I hate Wyoming? A little bit of both, not going to lie. Okay. <laughs> there was an element of uh, Wyoming's very annoying to you, but there was also an element of Wyoming's annoying to literally everyone who visits Laramie. That's fair. Yep. And <laughs> and Boise State doesn't look like the team that was dominant in 07. Uh, they look like a team who's a pretty decent group of five team, which pretty decent group of five teams always end up going down in Wyoming. Yep. Nope, that checks. All right, fair enough. Uh, Boise State did pull this one out um, with a lot of help from Wyoming's quarterback, uh, throwing two interceptions in, what, the final minute? Final two minutes? No, 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 no. He threw threw three interceptions overall. No, 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 but two of them were in, like, the final two minutes. I mean, yeah, there were three turnovers in the last two minutes. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So, so let's recap this for you. So we started the final two minutes. Wyoming throws an interception. Yeah. yeah. On the first play, boy, I think it was the first play. Correct me if I'm wrong. But Boise State decided, nah, I don't want this. And they put the baby sister on the yeah. turf. Yeah. Um, and then Wyo- the first play of Wyoming's drive. <laughs> yeah, first play of Wyoming's drive. They said, no, no, you take it. We don't <laughs> want it. Um, yeah, oh, so real. that's – welcome to Mountain West football, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Boise State wins 20-17. to 17. Uh, They clinched the, the division, uh, which is why I picked this game. Uh, They're currently sitting at 7-0 in conference with a game remaining. Doesn't matter what happens here. They have the division. Uh, they will be playing in the Mountain West Conference Championship game in a couple weeks. And they already have their opponent lined up as well. Fresno State has clinched the other division, I guess, the West division yep. of the Mountain West. So... I hold on. I do gonna say I like that. I like that you have the Mountain West and you have the Mountain Division and the West Division. 
yeah. it, it works better. Like the Big Ten can't go with like the big division in the ten division. That doesn't work. They could if they added four more teams. <laughs> And have all of their biggest brands in the big division, and then you have the other ten. The <laughs> oh ten. no! Oh god, it's happening! Oh, this is happening! <laughs> and you could also do for the SEC have a South and an East. Hundred percent, you hundred percent could. That one would work. <laughs> the ACC does have an Atlantic and a Coastal. Yep. Uh, see, I just like the symmetry there. Pac-12 would need to expand a whole lot to make that work, though. <laughs> See, now I'm just waiting for the, the the smartass to come on and say, well, what's the difference between the Atlantic and the Coastal? Shut up, that's the point. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, our picks this weekend, I did very well, being helped a lot by a 4-0 effort in the FCS. Uh, I do get the Stonks Award here. For college football, very happy about that. Look, every time I feel like I'm getting closer to you, you pull a little bit further away. Which means that Bug is definitely going to win overall come bowl season. <laughs> it's look, going to happen. I am look, fully prepared. This upcoming week is where it gets fun because the way we pick games here, it gets insane. Because you can't look at who looks better. You can't. No, no, no. Like we actually have to pick. Between Ohio State and Michigan. Brutal. Brutal. And we're picking all eight games of the first round of the FCS playoffs this coming week. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of action. A lot of action between now and when we finally wrap this thing up. Uh, Let's go ahead and talk about the prospects I picked out to watch out for this weekend. Is that Nickel State? No, it is not. Uh, Maybe you're looking at the logo there. I am. But currently, Lindsey Scott Jr. plays for Incarnate Word. No, no, I knew that. I was, I was looking at the other logos. So you weren't on the episode where I discussed Lindsey Scott's story, so I get to tell it again, which is very fun for me. Uh, this man was a three-star quarterback prospect out of Louisiana. He was also Mr. Football in the state of Louisiana. Wild. How he's only start. a three-star. Um. Led his high school to a state championship. Everything's going great. Doesn't get too many offers until finally the big school in his home state comes knocking. He gets that offer from LSU. Of course, he's going to go to his hometown team, the LSU Tigers. Uh, has to redshirt his first year. It says, hey, I'm kind of competing right now for like fourth on the depth chart. I don't really want to do that. I'm going to go ahead and transfer. He goes and avoids having to sit out a year by transferring all the way down to the JUCO level, East Mississippi State, where he puts together a pretty phenomenal season. 3,500 yards through the air, 700 on the ground, 35 touchdowns in total, 11 picks, wins the JUCO National Championship. Everything's looking pretty good. Transfers again. Back to the SEC, and he heads to Missouri. Uh, Doesn't have to sit out a year because he transferred from JUCO to D1. But he's on the scout team all season. And he says, wow, I'm right back where I was with LSU. This didn't help my situation at all. What's going on here? So he transfers again. This time heading to the FCS level, Nichols State, 
again, in the state of Louisiana, back home. He is ineligible now that season because he transferred, and that was before they changed the rule that you don't have to sit out when you transfer. Uh, heading from Division One to Division One school, he had to sit out a year. But then the 2020 season gets canceled until the spring when in like four or five games, he puts up 1,700 yards through the air, 500 on the ground, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Then in that same year, in the fall, in a full season, over 2,000 passing yards, almost 1,000 on the ground, 25 touchdowns, 11 picks. He says, hold up. This isn't exactly the right kind of offense for my skill set. I think I can go somewhere and actually perform better as a passer if I'm in an offense that works with what I'm good at. He sees what Cam Ward does at UIW and says, hey, that looks pretty good. Problem, though, that whole coaching staff is also gone to Washington State. This is not the same offense that Cam Ward was running. This is a different offense now. And Lindsey Scott Jr. is making it work anyway, and it's his best season of all freaking time. At UIW this season, 3,800 yards through the air now, 73% completions, 342 on the ground. He's throwing the ball first instead of running. He's getting more comfortable in the pocket. 57 total touchdowns and only four interceptions. Hold he on. added five touchdowns this weekend alone. Is that a record? Has he broken the record? For what? Touchdowns in a game? Season. Uh, no. I mean, Joe Burrow had more than that off the top of my head. Yeah, but, but we, we can also still. split this into the FCS. I, I No, it's not a record. But uh, Incarnate Word is, once again, Southland champions, just with a completely different offense somehow. Lindsey Scott Jr. has led the Cardinals here to just an incredible season. Number seven overall seed in the FCS playoffs. I cannot wait to see this man in action once again come playoff time because that's going to be very fun. That's Jesus. How does he have, like, he's in his sixth year of eligibility. Uh, so, you have the shirt, COVID year. Yeah, red shirt I, and COVID. I, I, I was going to say, I didn't count red shirt because that didn't count as eligibility. But count, Juco does count, doesn't it, or no? Juco counts. He also had to sit a year, and that doesn't count against your eligibility. I so, thought it did. I Okay. Nope. Okay, I'm good. I thought that was the whole negative of transferring was, hey, you have to sit, and it counts towards your eligibility. Okay, I'm good now. Nope. So this is his seventh year of college football, but fourth year of stats recorded, and <laughs> this is his last season. <laughs> we do know that. But uh, what a story. I, I love Lindsey Scott Jr. I can't wait to see him play in the spring leagues because that's obviously definitely where he's going to end up, uh, unfortunately. I think it would be very fun to see him get an NFL shot, but he's probably going to go to the XFL first. I was going to say, he's got he's got the, the stats, and it looks like the talent to be a late-round pick that probably might make it through camp, but you're not sure. Yeah, and I – doubt he gets picked up honestly it would be very fun to see him play in the fcf as well which is yes. something the bug pointed out uh imagine what he would do on a 
half the distance field. <laughs> Just yeah. electric stuff. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I didn't have a very much more traditional four-year college experience here. And Kenny Logan Jr., uh, safety for Kansas. Uh, a shout out to Kenny Logan Jr. for liking this tweet where we tweeted out this slide about him because <laughs> that's, that's cool. awesome. Uh, yeah, he's having a great season. Unfortunately for him, the rest of that defense is awful. So they got destroyed by Texas in a game where he put up 10 tackles and nine solo tackles. Uh, that's kind of actually a problem when you're over the top free safety is your team's leading tackler. Exactly. Uh, which for was, him. again, and will probably break 100 yards again this season with one game left to go in the regular season and then a bowl game. 100 tackles. tackles. Not yards. yards, didn't I? You did. Uh, yeah, 100 tackles again. He will be one of the top safeties taken off the board. I hadn't taken one of the surefire top three round picks in a while as a prospect preview. Kenny Logan's a surefire bit as one of the top safeties in this class. Man, just think of where Kansas started this year and, and now where they are. Oh, kind of brutal. It, it, well, it, it's like, oh, wait, all over again. <laughs> uh, just start 5-0 and, yeah. and then watch it all go away. Yeah, at least they got the bowl eligibility, though. That's Are they 6-5 and five right now? Yes. Goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> So is like three quarters of the Big Twelve, though. So you know it's alright. Yeah, but not three quarters of the Big Twelve start five and zero. Oh. At least they're not Syracuse, who started six and zero oh and is now six and five. It's <laughs> <laughs> very That's likely going to be six and six. That's valid. <laughs> the whole reverse sweep on them. But that does it for college football. One more bit of news left in the football world. We, of course, need to talk about the Grey Cup because I was the only one to pick Toronto. Suck it, Ben. Suck it, Jake. <laughs> you didn't get to pick this game, so I don't yep. know how you, how you would have gone here. But the Argonauts did win. This was wild. I, I definitely would have gone Toronto. I believe that 100%. Uh, <laughs> so Toronto does win 24-23 in the 109th Grey Cup. Toronto is now 7-0 and all time in Grey Cups against Winnipeg. Wild stat. Uh, of course, the last time they played was 1950. So <laughs> it's even Christ. wilder stat. Uh, <laughs> for a league as small as they are, only like nine teams, for the last time these two competed in a Grey Cup to be 1950 is kind of insane. Uh, yeah, but for real. They meet again. Winnipeg gets stopped from the three-peat. Toronto takes over as reigning champions here. And, uh, yeah, this this was a wild finish. I don't know if you got to see any of this game. Wait. But absolutely insane. If Winnipeg was going for a three-peat, how was Toronto the defending champions? Toronto was not the defending champion. I thought that's okay. I thought that's what you said. Okay. I, that's maybe, maybe I accidentally did somewhere along the way, but Winnipeg was the defending champions okay. twice, twice over. Uh, there was no 2020 season, so they won in 2019 and they won in 2021. And then 2022 nice. goes to Toronto here. Um, I don't know if you got to see any of this game. I didn't. 
but the end of it was so insane. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I am more against the CFL than I am against the Pac-12. It's a whole different game okay, of football. Well, then shut the fuck up for a second, because this is very exciting. The last, <laughs> the last little bit of this game. Toronto is up 24-23, right? Yeah. They go for a field goal. Winnipeg blocks it. They get the ball. They drive a good 25, 30 yards, set themselves up for a field goal try to take the lead with under a minute left in the game. Toronto blocks that field goal attempt (laughs) and recovers. And Toronto is able to kneel out the rest of the game. That's awesome. You will, I think you should appreciate that a defensive player did win MVP. Uh, Toronto's linebacker. It's the second part of this. What? Not only did, what else did he win, Doug? <laughs> he won Outstanding Canadian. There are two separate awards, MVP and Outstanding oh. Canadian, because sometimes American players win the MVP, and it's the CFL, so they give an award themselves as well. I understand it. Gotta say. Because uh, on this Toronto team, there were a couple of Baylor players, very notable. It was all blown up on Twitter. Sean Oakman uh, won himself a, a great cup here. I remember that the picture of him looking terrifying uh, yeah. from like 2009. <laughs> but yeah, Toronto linebacker Enoch Mwamba won MVP and outstanding Canadian in this great cup. Uh, very fun. Very fun game. And I gotta say, I'm kind of becoming a convert on CFO football. I just, I can't get exciting. around. I can't get around the twelve men. I can't get around the you can run towards the line of scrimmage as long as you don't don't cross it on offense. I, I don't know. It bugs me. Uh, and with that, that's gonna do it for the show, because <laughs> Tug is absolutely wrong about that opinion, and I can't stand this anymore. Get out of here. So, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and shout out the links here. Uh, they've been scrolling across the bottom this entire time. Uh, but if you do want to check us out, think BDT Football. You can find us most places, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we are big dudes in the trenches on Twitch, where we are live right now and for every episode. We're also big dudes in the trenches on YouTube. If you want to watch the show after we are live, uh, I'll, I'll let Tug back in here real quick. You got anything to say before we sign off, bro? Look, you should know me. I'm part of my opinions. I'm not going to change it. Uh, it, it. I'm glad to be back. Last week was a whirlwind. It was a tough week. Uh, sorry I had to miss you guys, but uh, I had to take care of some family stuff. Uh, but that's all I've got, man. You got anything else? No, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching or for listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches.